Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. There's a Peanuts cartoon that came out several years ago in which Linus and Lucy were talking. They were watching television and Lucy came up to Linus and insisted that Linus change the TV channel they were watching. She was very insistent about it. She threatened him with her fist like she often did, Lucy. And Linus said to her, he said, what makes you think you can walk right in here and just take over? And Lucy said, these five fingers. She said, individually, they don't mean a whole lot, but together... When I wrap them into a single unit like this, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. And Linus said, what channel do you want to watch? (laughs) And as he turned away, because he wasn't going to watch what Lucy wanted to watch on television, as he turned away and walked away, Linus is looking at his fingers and he says, why don't you guys get organized to do something like that? Acts chapter 2 is a passage of Scripture that encourages God's people to get together, together. The title of this message is, What Happens When People Come Together, Together? The events of Acts chapter 2 occur on what is called the Day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a word that means 50 days. And the day of Pentecost comes 50 days after the Passover. Now, today is the day of Pentecost, in case you were wondering, which means 50 days ago was Passover on the Jewish calendar, which means 50 days ago Jesus was crucified. 48 days ago, according to the way we count days, Jesus was resurrected. 10 days ago, Jesus gave his last words of instruction to his disciples and he was ascended back up to heaven to be with His heavenly Father. Fifty days ago, Jesus crucified. Now, in the meantime, when Jesus, right before He was ascended, He told His disciples, He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there. I want you to wait there. And He ascended from them back up into Galilee. They traveled from Galilee, which was their home, back down to Jerusalem, and they wait And while they waited, something happened. Something wonderful happened. And what this passage of Scripture says to us is that when we are waiting on God and doing what He says to do, God will do something phenomenal, but He'll only do it when He sees His people together, together. Acts chapter 2 Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Did you hear that? Now just stop and let that one sentence settle on you. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, I love that word suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues, languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and they said, Well, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, who said... In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The disciples are 120 in number. A lot has happened. Uh, Eleven of them have been with Jesus almost every day for the past three and a half years. They have watched him crucified. They have uh, watched him resurrected. And they have spent a few days with him. They have seen him ascend back to the Father. He told them, go to Galilee where you'll see me there. They travel from Jerusalem up to Galilee, about two or three day uh, trip if they're walking. And while they're in Galilee, Jesus is taken up into heaven after he gives them some final instructions. Among the instructions, he says, go back down to Jerusalem. But wait a minute, they crucified you there. Back down to Jerusalem. Wait a minute, they hate us there. Back down to Jerusalem. They mocked you and tried you and abused you there. Back down to Jerusalem. Go back down to Jerusalem and wait. I want you to wait there. Acts chapter 1 says, that, uh, chapter 2 verse 1 says, and they were all together in one place when suddenly, the word suddenly is the first word in verse 2. It's a great word. Suddenly, in my notes I have that word in italics because after that word suddenly comes the answer to the question that is the crux of this message. What happens when people 
come together together. Wait a minute. Let me put it a better way. Here's a better way to put it. What happens when God's people come together together? Because after the word suddenly, in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, some amazing things happened that had never happened before in the history of the universe and have not happened since. But they happened in part because God's people came together together. So in this message, we're going to answer the question, what happens when God's people come together together? Now, before we address that question and unpack it, let's back up to chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and let's find out what they were doing while they were waiting. Because they had come back to Jerusalem and they were waiting. There were three things that uh, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 1 they were doing. The first thing he tells us is they were following Jesus' instructions. His instructions were, you go to Jerusalem and you wait there. Go to Jerusalem and wait there. They didn't want to go to Jerusalem. People hated them there. That's where Jesus was crucified. They'd rather go anywhere but Jerusalem. And yet Jerusalem was where Jesus said, I want you to go and wait. And Acts chapter 1 verse 12 says that the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And there they waited. One of the hardest things that you and I will ever do is wait Wait. The second thing that they are doing while they are uh, waiting is they are constantly praying. Chapter 1, verse 13 tells us, says, When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. And verse 14, they all together, they joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Jesus' brothers were there. Uh, We know that Jesus had at least four half-brothers. They are named in the Gospels. We don't know exactly how many of those brothers were here in Acts chapters 1 and 2. At least two, maybe all of them. Any of them is quite incredible, considering the fact that before Jesus was crucified, they didn't believe in him John chapter 7 verse 5 says that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. They were ashamed of him. You ever tried to do something that was really important to you and your family didn't back you on it? Jesus' brothers did not back him in what he was doing until they saw him resurrected. It took him being resurrected for his brothers to back him. And yet here they are among this 120 some odd folks group in Acts chapters 1 and 2. They were following Jesus' instructions, waiting. They were constantly praying. And the third thing, they were doing what they could. There was only so much they could do, but what they could do, they did do. In verses 15, 16, and 17, Peter, it says Peter stood up and he said, Look, we no longer have Judas Iscariot with us. He, Iscariot with us, he betrayed Jesus and uh, he... Uh, Uh, took his own life as a result of it, the anguish over it, and now we need to replace him with somebody. Now, Jesus didn't say, uh, I'm about to ascend, but after I ascend, I want you to hurry up and replace Judas. So we don't know if this was something he really wanted them to do or if they just did it. Some people say they jumped the gun. Some people say they should have waited, and if they had waited, the Apostle Paul would have been the 12th disciple or the replacement for Judas. The Scriptures don't 
give us any insight on that. But I'll tell you what they, what they did do. Peter stood up and said, we need to replace uh, Judas. There are some guys here who have been accompanying us, and among them there are two, a guy named Joseph and a guy named uh, Mattathias. And uh, you know how they chose him? You know how they decided between the two? They conducted a lottery. Boy, you can tell these guys weren't Baptists right off the bat, because Baptists don't play lottery, right? They conducted a lottery. Conducted a lottery. And in conducting the lottery, they, the, the lot fell upon Mattathias. He's the one they chose. And we don't hear from him ever again. Nowhere else in history, nowhere else in the Bible do we hear from Mattathias. Whatever the case, whether they made a mistake jumping the gun or if it was exactly what they were supposed to do, they did what they could while they were waiting. And then, while they were all together in one accord, all together in one place, suddenly something happened. Something happens when God's people come together together. I want to share with you five things that happened in this chapter when God's people came together together. The first thing that happened is this. God started moving in some unheard of ways. Verses uh, 2 and 3. says, They were all together in one place when suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole place where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, has, has that ever happened to anybody in a church service before? That literally, you looked up and the, the ceiling tile opened up, the roof opened up, and what looked like flames of flaming tongues that came down separated and started resting on everybody. I'll tell you, if that happened at Palmetto Baptist Church today, there'd be 10 different people on their cell phone calling 911. 14 people would be pulling out their guns in case anybody tried to hurt anybody else. And the rest of everybody would be, would be flocking out all the, uh, the exit doors. But that is what happened. When everybody was all together in one place, God started moving and he started moving in ways that they had never seen and that you and I have never seen. God wants to move in unheard of ways. He wants to do these things, but he's waiting. Listen, God is not the one who we have to wait on. God is waiting on us. One of the reasons why we don't see God moving today like we'd like to see God move is because God's people aren't together together. We've never been more polarized to, at any point in history than we are right now. I'm talking about God's people. I'm not talking about the population of the world in general or our nation's population in general. I'm talking about God's people have never been more divided than they are today. You got 38,000 different denominations in this world. You know how many we started out with? Somebody said one. No, zero. We were just Christians. And we went from just being Christians to 38,000 and they're growing exponentially. The number of denominations. Why? Because we are divided. When God's people, however, are together together, God moves. Second, When God's people are together together, God enables His people to do what is humanly impossible to do. Verse 4. All of them, did you hear that? All of them, not just the men, 
not just the ordained, not just the preachers, not just the pastors, not just the, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now think about this. There's this incredible sound that comes from heaven. It rests upon each of uh, these 120 disciples. They stand up and at least some of them begin to preach. Peter's one of them. Now the, the language they speak is one called Aramaic. It was the common language of people in Palestine at that time. They're preaching in Aramaic. But this is Pentecost. Pentecost was a, a big holiday week that culminated on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, Jews from all over the known world converged on Jerusalem. Now these Jews from different parts of the world spoke different languages. They didn't speak Aramaic, most of them. There were Jews from Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq, and they were in Jerusalem, according to Acts chapter 2. There were Jews who lived in Rome, but had made the trek to Jerusalem. There were Jews who normally live in Egypt, but they had made the trek to Jerusalem. All over Europe, and they had made the trek to Jerusalem. Some scholars suggest that there are between 300 and 500,000 Jewish people from all over the world have convened at Jerusalem during this uh, holiday. So how do you preach in a way that they understand what you're saying? Well, it's impossible. Unless God moves. And the Bible says here that Peter stood up and he began to preach in Aramaic, but the people who were hearing him who did not speak Aramaic, they were understanding him in their own language. It was a miracle of communication that they could have never done. It was humanly impossible and yet because they were together, together, God moved upon them in, in such a way that they were able to do what was humanly impossible. You want to see our church accomplish what is humanly impossible? Then let us come together, together and watch God move. There are two different words in this passage that are translated tongues or languages. One is the Greek word glossolalia. We get our word glossary from it. A glossary, as you know, is a, a section at the, at the back of a textbook that gives you the definitions of major terms used throughout the textbook. That's a glossary. The word glossolalia in Greek gives us the word glossary in English. The other word that's used in here is the word dialectos, from which we get our word dialect. Now let me tell you how specific God was in what he was doing. Peter got up to preach in Aramaic. The people who were listening to him but did not speak Aramaic, they heard him speak in their language. But more than that, they heard Peter speak not only in their language, but in their particular dialect within their language. For instance, let's imagine if there were two people who spoke English. English wasn't around at that time. But let's suppose that two people spoke English in that crowd. And one of them was from Boston, Massachusetts. And the other one was from Washington, Georgia. When Peter got up and he began to preach in Aramaic, those two people heard him in English. But I don't have to tell you that Boston, Massachusetts English is different from Washington, Georgia. English. And so what they heard Peter say, the Bostonian Englishman heard, 
you know, what you need to do is come on and, and just, uh, you know, just accept Jesus as your Savior and come on down here and be a Christian. Well, whereas the guy from Washington, Georgia, he heard, Jesus, he heard Peter saying, now you need to just uh, pull your car over to the side and come on down here and accept Jesus like a good old boy. And bring all your children with you. Y'all will just all come. You see, it didn't matter. They both spoke English, but it wasn't that God enabled Peter to communicate with them in their own language, but it was within their own dialect within the language. Do you think that God wanted them to hear the gospel? He made it so clear. When God's people come together together, God moves in unheard of ways. God enables people to do what was humanly impossible to do. Number three, people looking for God experience God reaching out to them. Now, whether we realize it or not, and whether the people out in the world realize it, they are searching for God. Because every one of us come into this world with a God-shaped hole in our very being, and that hole is constantly searching for something to fill it, but it can never be filled appropriately until we fill it with God. And so every soul, every human being in this world is searching constantly for God. Some people recognize they're searching for God. Others don't recognize it. In Jerusalem this day, on the day of Pentecost, there were some people who weren't Christians yet, but they were searching for God. When God's people come together together and God starts moving in unheard of ways, what happens is, we unleash, it's like when we come together together, we, we unleash the power of God into the community so that people who are reaching for God, searching for God, seeking for God, find that God is reaching out to them. Verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard the sound, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Amazed and perplexed, verse 12, they asked one another, what does this mean? They're searching for God. God's people have come together and together, which unleashed the power of God to reach out in in special ways to these people who were seeking Him. Why is it that so few people in our day are reaching out for Christ? It's because of us. It's because of the way Christians act, number one, but it's also because of the fact that we're not coming together when we are together, together. God is unleashed to reach out to those people. Number four, when God's people come together, together, some people are always on hand to block what God is doing. Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much Wine. Now, Luke is the one recording this. Luke is the author. He devotes this one small sentence of a verse to these folks. Some, he says, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. I will tell you, and we, we need not be surprised every time this happens. When God's people come together together and God starts moving in unheard of ways, always... There will be people who try to block what God is doing, always. The only time we should be surprised is if they don't show up. Because they will. They always do. 
But we should give them no more credence than Luke gave them credence. Just a little bit of, just a one line in verse 13. And then finally, when God's people come together together, God's movement opens pathways to communicate the good news about Jesus. You see, you and I, when we come together together, we free up God. We free up so many things. You say, well, God doesn't need us to free Him up. No, He doesn't, but He has chosen to work that way. God has chosen to work in such a way that the best things He ever does, He does when we, as God's people, come together, together. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you, listen carefully to what I say. You think this was important to Peter? These people are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. He said, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Now, this is a quote from Joel in the Old Testament. Notice how inclusive this is. Are you ready for this? How inclusive this is. We live in a world where uh, we, us Christians, we Christians, we, we tend to, we tend to exclude people, divide people. Look at what the Old Testament says. The Old Testament, very inclusive. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Next line, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Not just your sons, not just your daughters, your sons and daughters. Every young man, your young men will see visions, but your old men will dream dreams, the young and the old. On my servants, not just the free, but the enslaved. And among the slaves, both men and women, not just men, not just women. I will pour out my spirit on them in those days and they will prophesy. And great things will happen. In verse 21, he says, and the result of that will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, Luke says that they were all together, together. And as a result of that, God moved in some incredible ways. The result of it ultimately was that everybody who called on the name of the Lord was saved. And you know how many that happened to be that day in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? Three thousand people. And some of us here in this building don't think that could ever happen at Palmetto Baptist Church. But it could. Psalm 133 says, how good and how pleasant it is When brothers dwell together in unity. How good and how pleasant. Good is an ordinary word, isn't it? It's kind of plain. Wouldn't it have been great if if God had said, How awesome and awe-inspiring and incredible fabuloso. It is when God's people dwell in unity. But instead he said, How good. It's just a plain word. Or maybe it's not. You ever looked at Genesis chapter 1? When God spoke the universe into existence, Genesis 1, chapter 1 says, and after, he, after he, he would create each segment of creation in Genesis chapter 1, at the end of it, you remember what it says, and God saw what he had made, and behold, it was, you say it, good. It must be a pretty awesome word 
And it's the same word God used to describe the wonder of creation that He uses when He looked upon His people and said, saw them in unity, and He says, how good it is for my people to dwell in unity. I hear people from time to time bemoaning the state of our nation, bemoaning the state of the world, bemoaning, bemoaning. As if things could get right, if we just had the right people in Congress or the right person in the White House, or if we were battling the right battles and not battling the wrong battles in other parts of the world. I have news for you. And you can go back and check me with it on, on, in Scripture. What we need has nothing to do with Congress, has nothing to do with the White House, and has nothing to do with who we're battling in the world. It has everything to do with us, with Christians. Not only Christians in this church, but Christians in every church, Christians all across this nation and around the world. If we would come together together, we would start seeing some things happen that are positive, that are powerful, and that are evidence of spiritual awakening. I don't care who you put in the White House. I don't care who you put in Congress. They're not going to bring revival on this land. I'm sorry. They're not. I don't care who it is. But if God's people come together together, you're going to see something different. That's Old and New Testament, by the way. I've already showed you New Testament. In Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name shall... Um, he didn't say anything about, well, if they out there, if that ruler out there, if those folks over yonder, if that political party out yonder, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Not a word about them out there. So if you want to blame somebody for the shape of a nation, whether it's ours or any others, if you want to blame some group, I'll tell you what to do. Go home. Change clothes, get comfortable, and go in your bathroom. And make sure there's no spots on the mirror and it's not foggy. And take a good look at it. Because you'll find your problem. On the other hand, when God's people come together together, suddenly I hear a sound. And the wind's blowing. That's what I like. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, bring us together as a church, as a Christian body in our nation and in our world. Help us to stop pointing the fingers out there and start reflecting on what's in here and examining ourselves. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us. The Christian community in the United States has never been more polarized, never been more divided than it is today. People walking out on other people in the Christian fellowship 
over things that don't matter. When we need to be united, we need to be together, together, in one heart, one mind, one accord. And Lord, help us to realize that it is only then that we will see you do some incredible things in our day. So help us to get together. That's what you're waiting on. That's what we need to be about. In Jesus' name, amen.